Hello everyone, uh, welcome to 3-Way Podcast. A uh, couple of stuff I wanted to mention. Again, we are on all major platforms. Uh, we, are, we will have a YouTube uh, page as well from 3-Way Podcast, so it'll be uh, our clips on YouTube. And I also wanted to throw a shout out for uh, the, all the Marines out there. Uh, it is the Marine birthday today, so hoorah. And uh, one more shout out, of course, to all the firemen that are out right now trying to stop all these fires from just burning more houses down. So thoughts and prayers to everybody who lost uh, their houses. Thank you for all, to all the volunteers and firemen. Uh, okay, so we have a special guest today, uh, a state planning lawyer, Hike Chilingarian. So I want to welcome him to our show. Welcome, Hike. I just want to know if we could get a little bit of a background on you. Like, what type of law do you do besides the state planning? Is there also anything else that you do with that? Well, thank you for having me, guys. It's a really awesome experience. To Before I answer that question, it's been a very interesting year for me. Uh, last year, with uh, one of my good friends, we put together a seminar towards the end of the year. It was, a, uh, it was called Estate Planning for the Modern Family. Nice. It, it was a success. Uh, and, um, and, I, and throughout the year, then um, early, uh, early, starting from um, the, first of the, uh, the first month of the year, I started having a TV show on the Armenian channel. So that went on for a few months. And, um, and uh, in the meantime, I was doing articles, writing all, various articles every month really long articles. And um, I just recently, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I uh, did a webinar with, with the same friend I was telling you about. And I've known you guys for a very long time. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's, I think it's a, it's a beautiful feeling when you, you know, when you not only know people in different settings and different circumstances uh-huh. and you're close with them. And at the same time, you know, you're on a professional level, you're out here and, you know, just really meet, Definitely changing people's feeling, lives yeah, I'm yeah. Mean, just trying to bring to light like whatever like even different avenues whether like it's law or just entertainment whatever it may be but like just just to bring light to to like different subjects out there it's it's really important to us yeah yeah and you guys are doing a great job i've uh listened to your previous podcasts and hopefully you know this is going to be uh, another one of those really hit podcasts and from here, here on out always you know i wish you guys a great deal of Thank success you very much. i appreciate this it. is this is a wonderful thing you guys are doing but Going back to your question, uh, yeah. so estate planning, we're going to talk about it briefly, but the areas that I focus on is, so what I notice is as I look at clients' matters and I study my clients, some of them come to me as business owners and they say, well, I have a business, I have these issues going on, could you take a look at it, see if everything is run properly, is there anything that you would suggest for us to do differently? And as I go through that process, then I discover that they're missing something here, something there. Oh, yeah. And then as I study the clients really well, then I find out a lot about their personal lives. And, and then I come back with my suggestions and I say, you know, have you thought about protecting your house? Have you thought about uh, what's going to happen if you're disabled or something happens where, you know, you're some, some kind of a, a end of life situation where you're on life support? And there's all these all these issues come up th- throughout life that people don't think about. And then when it when when the time arises, when the time comes, for some reason, uh, it becomes much more of a nightmare than it otherwise should be, yeah. um, and um, and uh, you know sometimes you have to go through the court process. So so as I'm doing, whether I'm uh, looking into the business clients or I have a estate planning client who comes and says, you know, I, w- I have a house, I want to avoid going through the court process. What do you what do you think we should do? So um, 
so then I discover, well, they've got a business, but then uh, their business is a risky business and there's a good possibility of them being sued and having all of their personal assets exposed. So what ends up happening in those situations is we, you know, we try to look at the, we try to have a 360 degree look at what exactly is this client's uh, situation? What are, what are the family dynamics? What can we do to kind of make things, uh, um, to make sure that not only are they adequately protected, but they also have, uh, they maximize the amount of wealth they can have. And that's where we bring in our tax advisors and, and I myself also uh, look into their tax returns and see what, what the trend has been. Uh, what are they actually, how much are they paying in taxes? Do, can they pay less uh, and, um, and you know, maybe secure their retirement uh, or, uh, you know, take care of their college, uh, the kids' college funds? So the planning, uh, the, the tools that we have at our disposal are endless. And, and, and I, we can probably talk about some specific scenarios where, people really understand why estate planning is so uh is so important but it, you know in the, to kind of give a brief overview uh what we do is we have the three uh the tripod is what I would call the estate the the side of the personal assets the side of the business assets and taxes right in the middle because no matter what you do everything in life has some kind of a tax consequence you oh, yeah. uh you know you you have penalties uh, oftentimes people say, "Oh, you know, there's a there's a fee for there's a fee for let's say if you're doing a some kind of a monthly fee for uh, some kind of a program, state mm -hmm. program." Well, what is that? That's actually a tax. It's just you know they're just telling you it's a they call it a fee, yeah. but in reality <laughs> it's a tax. So every level we're taxed, and uh, we just tr try to figure out how we can best serve our clients by mitigating that. So, Hike, what do you say to a client or uh, a person that says, oh, uh, I'm not even on that tax bracket. I don't know if that's the right thing for me, beneficial for every type of person. So it doesn't matter your income pretty much. Yeah. What do you say to that Any person? income could, doesn't matter. It's very interesting you say that because uh, this month's article, the one I wrote, it's, uh, um, the title was, Is Estate Planning Only for Rich People? And uh, that's on my website, chillingarianlaw.com. And I'll tell you, you asked from the tax standpoint, but let me first get into the biz, uh, the estate planning sure. standpoint because sure. I think that's very it's essential. So anybody who has a house, you know, they automatically or they have assets that are worth above hundred fifty thousand. They want to have an estate plan because they want to have a trust in place because anytime your assets, there are some assets that are exempt. Generally, if you have assets and their aggregate value is 150000 and if you live in California and you have a home, you know that's going to be over 150000 oh, yeah. yeah. So if you want to avoid going through the court process, you have to have a living trust in place. Otherwise... You know your estate diminishes in significant value. Uh, you know, on average, about five percent of the estate uh, is decreased because of the th when you go through the whole court process. Okay. A lot of time is uh, actually lost as well. But it takes about a year or so on average before the assets are transferred to the to the heirs. Uh, and and uh, you know, it's 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 really tough on people because Im imagine when you know you lose somebody you love. Uh, and on top of that, now you have to go through this hideous uh, or tedious process, oh, yeah. uh, which it could be hideous as well. 100%. So, um, and the other aspect of it is the healthcare situation. Any any one of us are you know is vulnerable to uh, you know getting sick or being in a condition where we're not able to make decisions for ourselves. So in that situation, if you, somebody needs to 
make some kind of a healthcare decision for it? Do you need to go through the surgery, or do you need, or some kind of bank wants to, to uh, some investment opportunity comes along, and you're not able to take advantage of that opportunity? Do you have somebody you trust that you've designated in advance who is going to make those decisions for you? So uh, in that regard, estate planning it doesn't matter how rich you are or how poor you are. It's something that you know it's really um, important for anybody. Now, in terms of the tax uh, liabilities, tax planning for business owners in general, far more opportunities, obviously, for business owners. And we, we implement all types of strategies by, uh, by deferring some of the money that they make now to their retirement plans in the future, sure. lowering their tax liabilities. But for just anybody, if you look at the brackets and what's called the effective tax rate, you might fall in a bracket, but at the end of the day, because of how you know, all of the deductions and credits and everything you go through, at the end of the day, your effective how much you pay in taxes is a certain percentage. And uh, and the and the rates, the way they're structured is in every bracket. When you make your let's say first hundred thousand dollars, let's say you're uh, taxed at twenty percent, the next hundred thousand is taxed uh, uh, between twenty and thirty, and anything that's above that, if you're making one fifty, for example gets taxed in the third bracket. So that's how you come up to this uh, overall tax rate. But the thing is that a lot of the people who in March or have their extension and go in October to their accountants and say, you know, uh, you know, here's here's how much money I made. Here's how much I should deduct. The, the trouble is that when you go to the CPAs, when you go to the accountants and the people who are doing your taxes, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, they, they're put in a position where they have to figure out, okay, you brought them these loads of documents and these loads of um, expenses that you've had throughout the year and your earnings. So now they have to figure out basically how much of a tax liability you're going to have. Well, that's purely a reactive activity because what they're doing is they're responding to a load of uh, paperwork that you brought them and a certain set of actions that you took throughout that year uh, to determine what your tax liability is. In our case, when we look at every particular client, and every client is unique, what we try to do is we, we try to figure out, well, how do we do things proactively instead of reactively, where we put our clients in a position where when they do go to the CPA, they've already put in different strategies in place that uh, that it was go- that is going to potentially lower their tax liability much, much more than, the, than they would have if they had just gone without any planning in place. Uh, so, you know, the, the old saying, you know, the rich get richer, you know, and, and it's, a lot of it is because the rich have uh, the, the, the right advisors, the right consultants oh, yeah. in place who tell them, okay, you make this much money, here's what we can do with this. And in, in, in most situations, there's always something that can be done. Uh, if, there's somebody, if there's somebody who's paying much more in taxes than they should, uh, or, you know, there's never should, but at least that they could, there's there are always ways to to figure out what we can do to lower those liabilities, of course, within the bounds of the law. Uh, but uh, but nevertheless, try to find the ways to, to make sure that, uh, you know, people don't get tanked with a huge tax bill uh, when it comes, uh, you know, to, to April. Take advantage oh, of yeah. all the loopholes pretty much that you well, could. Yes. That's incredible. So I always remember you uh, talking about politics on social media, and uh, I remember watching your show. Uh, and uh, I just want to ask you, like, uh, what sparked interest in politics? It's yeah. a pretty serious thing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, 
for me, everything goes back to my my interest in politics and my interest in law go back to my childhood in Armenia. Everything, uh, the foundation uh, was really, that's where it all started for me. Uh, when I was, um, and this is kind of going to be a two-dimensional answer, so to speak, because each had its kind of different set of events uh, what that led me to getting into law and really being uh, very adamant about politics. But uh, so in Armenia, I don't know if you guys remember or if you were there at that time, there was a show, there was an American show, it was called Santa Barbara. No. That they would show, no, they they would show that everybody was watching that show. I mean, it was just it was a huge hit. Uh, and there was a guy in there whose name was Mason, and and Mason was this attorney, really successful. And I was in Armenia. I was you know like five, six, seven years old, and I was watching that show. And I remember I had those one of those moments, you know, kind of light bulb moments as I was watching the show. And his in his suit, and he's walking down the courtroom and presenting an argument. And I had those moments, I just looked at it and I said, man, that's what that's I want to be. <laughs> Very and and, and yeah. when you think about it, at that time, it's felt as far of a dream as you could possibly imagine. Because in Armenia, you're watching a show about a guy who's an attorney in, in a country that's thousands of miles away. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed impossible at that time. Uh, but as I, as I was fortunate to arrive in the United States and little by little with the language barrier being such a, such a huge, huge oh, impediment. Yeah. And over the years, you know, just eventually getting to this point, it was a dream that was in decades of making. As to when it comes to politics, again, the roots are in Armenia as well. So uh, I was about five, six years old. And, and this is very much documented and recorded. So, uh, you know, if anybody wants to probe into it and, find out they could surely can uh i was debating with actual politicians of armenia at about six five six seven years old and i'm talking about even people who are like close to being the prime minister you know i'm talking about like <laughs> the huge my grandpa used to take me to the parliament in armenia wow. and and here's this kid literally like who, most people are barely learning how to talk in those, yeah, yeah. In those years the... and I, yeah and we were going on back and forth and i was sitting down listening to the parliamentary hearings that's what i was doing that, that was my form of entertainment that's really as, a, as, a, as a little wow. kid yeah i mean it's a, almost like a toddler to, you're so. ahead of your time <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so it sparked the interest there then as i as I, you know, speak, uh, continued on my educational, yeah. well, the amount of years you put into something, you have to. It, even if you're not that person, you become it because you want to grow. You don't want to just be at one level. You want to. When he was younger, as a kid, like when people are playing with their toys or playing like basketball outside. Oh yeah, he's talking to like move. legit. And you're questioning people is... in authority, so that's yeah. another level of stuff. It's like you question. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I always said um. Very, um, this kind of a notion of fundamental fairness, and I think that's okay. what really got me into law uh, as well. Where I felt that if a particular group of people or somebody was being un unfairly treated, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not that I would automatically side with them, but I would kind of start probing into it and seeing, you know, what is really going on here? Why is this person or why is this group of why are this group of people taking advantage? Taking of advantage or, yeah. of. So that was something that always resonated with me, which is why, you know, we were talking just about music just yeah. a while ago, about rap music, about, yeah. you know, some of the 70s, 80s, kind of the 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 music, you know, it's kind of a it kind of it's kind of the language of your soul sure. in a way. And I think I think when you hear somebody like John Lennon, who 
often talked about unfairness in in different circumstances, whether it's war issues uh, or Tupac when he was talking about the different um, treatments that you know a lot of the African American folks were uh, yeah. were and uh, him himself even actually yeah. and he himself about the, in the justice system. Yeah. If I remember good in the movie that I saw, it was I think they were undercover or something. If I'm accurate. It wasn't legal. They were doing something that was not in the book. So yeah, that's yeah, exactly why case just yeah. got dropped. Yeah, that's crazy though. That, yeah, that, but that's the the stuff. Like when you see, and and I'm glad there's people like you that's out there that's trying to really be on the little guy's side make and make change. sure they're protected and uh, not taken advantage of. Which it's it's a really big thing. Yeah, and I, and I I hope that there's there are more people like you know like us. And I think I think what you guys do in a, in a way is kind of. It is in a way of something along those lines as well. You're shedding light on different, you know, different um, situations and different circumstances. That Areas, can, avenues. Can, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I think we all do our parts however we can because, uh, you know, you can't, you know, in the, the, that old saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, you're oh, not yeah, going to be able to make significant change on your own in a short time. Everything takes time. Everything takes not just uh time but also numbers numbers of people numbers of money number of uh uh you know uh commitment uh, by you know just uh, all around uh, dedication so this is you know this is a step in the right direction so we're yeah. going to see how all of this transpires as 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 we as we go but if you look at the uh anybody who's let's say by age that I was at that age today yeah 15 year olds 16 year olds i don't know what it is maybe it's the social media I don't know what, but they are so much well versed in things about you know they 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 are much more sophisticated. Percent. Everything is at their fingertips because like I yeah. remember as a kid, uh, even a simple thing as doing your homework or research project, you had to go to the library, check out, books, actually look into actually books, actually read stuff, and now you now, can just Google like, it literally. Google everything, and obviously it's good to check the facts before stating something, but it's so much easier to do things today. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe it's uh, there are much. They have much more inf- access to information. Okay. And they're, mm-hmm. I think, more more into uh, – we had – I think we were raised a little more conservative. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to the, the younger generations that are coming along. Sure. Um, and especially in Los Angeles, even though it's a liberal city, we had, you know, us being of uh, Armenian origin. And I think if you look at Hispanics as well, Hispanics are, you know, Catholic – yeah, a lot of similarities. Yes, a lot mm-hmm. of uh, a lot of similarities. So, all of our Hispanic and Armenian friends and ourselves, as we were growing up, we didn't, uh, you know, we weren't that, you know, uh, I guess experimental with, sure, you know, in in relationships and so on. And and I think nowadays you see that it's much more everybody's just uh, open and understanding. Yeah. In those days, it was yeah. the problem, was the ultimate goal. But I think that was, you know, middle school graduation. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> kindergarten graduation. That's crazy, man. Jesus. Yeah, what's going to happen in high school graduation is kindergarten. The big I don't day. know if it's a good or a bad thing, but uh, it's definitely... The standards are definitely going up, and I feel like what's going to happen to the next level? Because the, if kindergarten is a big deal, middle school and junior high is a big deal, what's going to happen But I feel like, see, like, back in those days, like, we saw more hardships and like the the struggle like nowadays i feel like there isn't much of that like the kids don't see that like it's a little bit easier for them well the parents and then uh, no the... not even that no i don't even i mean like for example like I, I hear this a lot in even tv shows and movies but like 
when they like let's say they they're, they're playing a game like a soccer match or something and even if they lose they get a trophy or like you know, know like that... they they get babied too much like they got to just feel lost like they, they don't know so the truth everything happens the parents do it in uh, closed circuits they handle the family business they don't know what's really going on in real No but I feel like you they got to like let them be, be upset like let them learn from their experience whether sure. it's bad good you know like like we I feel like Bad, us, good or ugly. Us, or we went we through, like, wrong. I know, like, we went through everything. Like, we had to persevere. And I don't know if I see that more, like, the in, in the youth now. Yeah, everybody's spoon-fed. Uh, yes. Absolutely. And and you get, it's a funny, you gave that analogy of the trophy. Every Everybody, you have eight contestants, all eight of them get a trophy. Yeah, that doesn't like, <laughs> I, mean, I don't have no single trophy in I my know, room. Seriously. Like, what the hell, man? Where's my trophy? No, but that's Thank exactly... Thank you for playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or but sitting down on the bench, you're getting rewarded for sitting down on the bench. You have to know how to lose in yes. order to win in life. Exactly. To learn to from it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, know, you have to fail. You, we've had so many of the, the, especially people who achieve greatness in life, they have had to have failed greatly as well. Steve yeah. Jobs is a is a perfect example of that. How you had somebody who was kicked out of his own company. I mean, literally, he was kicked out of his own company uh, before he was even 30. The company that he, uh, well, I wouldn't say he built single-handedly, but he oh, yeah. certainly had a huge uh, role in, t- in Definitely. building. Definitely. And, and at the verge of the bankruptcy, at, ver- at the verge of Apple basically going in extinct, they bring Steve Jobs back. Steve Jobs revolutionizes the company once again. And now Apple is... Uh, trillion dollar company I know, they were, weren't they the first company to hit yeah. a trillion dollars was it a couple of months back or something? i think it was uh, in the summer okay Jeez. june or may That's maybe a big deal yeah Definitely. trillion dollars yeah it's it's, it's and, and they're still uh, they're still innovating they're still finding ways to um and i think tim cook more or less has done a, a relatively decent job it's a it's tough shoes it's a, to follow oh yeah oh yeah uh and and I think with uh, with Jobs, Jobs, I see a lot of sim- similarity between Jobs and Musk, and and I think like with Musk as well, you kind of saw some of the similar characteristics. Both of them are genius in their in their own in their Definitely. own uh, oh, yeah. right. Hundred oh, yeah. percent They are you know great scientists, great thinkers. They were great uh, innovators. Innovators. For sure. But the problem is that I don't know if they were really great you know, leaders in terms of running a company, being yeah. a chair of the board. And, and, and the, the toughest thing is, is that after Steve Jobs was fired by the board because he was a CEO, uh, he kind of gave up his, I don't remember how exactly it happened, but he was not, uh, he was not the chairman of the board. Chairman of the board at the time was Scully. And Scully was the guy who was the CEO of Pepsi uh, wow. or the marketing wow. director of Pepsi. He came in. Uh, so, what happens is because the way corporations are structured is this kind of goes back to law. So the board of directors, they hire the officers. So they appoint the officers. Yeah. The shareholders appoint the board of directors. So that's it's kind of like the checks and balances of, uh, let's say, you know, Congress. You have the uh, oh, yeah. Supreme Court, the, uh, co- the Congress, and then you have the president, right? Yeah. Very similar. But what happened with Jobs was that Jobs – got fired because of the, uh, you know, by the board of directors from, from the company that he himself, you know, built from, the, much, from the yeah, garage. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and now you have somebody like Musk, and he had all these issues with the SEC recently. 
and and now they're uh, they're making him step down as chairman of the board. They've already I, I assigned somebody else as chair. And his CEO, so it kind of like it's like a history repeats itself sort of oh, yeah. moment oh, wow. where crazy. you have Musk also potentially being fired. And Musk has all these side projects with SpaceX. He's got the, uh, what was the other oh, one? Oh, my the God. Underground the tunnel. He, uh, boring. Wow. Uh, bo- yeah, he owned, yeah, he's a part owner of that company where they created that uh, flamethrower thing. Which oh, oh he did that for the hell of it, though, he said. Uh, that was it's a not crazy... even a flamethrower. <laughs> no, it just I think like... it was uh, retailing for about right around $300, something like that, and it sold out. Really? <laughs> now that's... It sold out, like, immediately. Yeah, and he did. Yeah, that was a crazy thing, but... No, uh, that's a perfect example. That's definitely a perfect example because he's he's one he's changing just the world. Like he's trying to improve. I feel like, and I think Steve Jobs was definitely the same way. Like he tried to, uh, it was more to improve on people's lives. Like over here, traffic is insane. Like I'm sure he's he's doing that to kind of help out as much as he could. Even with his cars, like just uh, electric cars, they're they're very re- like mostly reliable. You could say like. I know there's kinks, of course, but like there, there, no, nothing is perfect. And uh, the crazy thing about was it the bullet train or something like that, where it was, there was a lot of states against it. They're lobbying to prevent him to actually get that. You could have the greatest idea. You could be the biggest person and have all these uh, sources and still not be allowed to do something. Yeah, yeah, because of bureaucracy, because of government opposition, or because you don't have the money or the finances. Definitely, but. You know, we're talking about Jobs and Musk, and it's you know you talk about how they change the two agents of changing the world, and it's interesting how as Jobs was kind of going into his twilight and you know battling his with his cancer, Musk kind of came in and it was almost like a very symbolic passing of a torch. Yeah, uh, you know, not necessarily in the same fields, but when you're when you see what Steve Jobs has done. By the way, as our people of Armenian origin, we're so proud of Steve oh, yeah, Jobs of because he was raised, he was by, raised an by an Armenian, Armenian mother. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he spoke Armenian, apparently. Oh, that, I didn't so, know that. yeah, wow. he did. Yeah, and he was actually, I think, banned from Turkey because he went to Turkey once and he started basically criticizing them uh, why they're not accepting the Armenian genocide oh, wow. and so on. And I think they banned him wow. from, from Turkey. You know, you have uh, Elon Musk who, who, who comes in and and does uh, and he's he's just uh, you know he might of course i don't think he's really the only person who's doing all this just like steve jobs you know he had was steve wozniak there are all these other people who were involved in building not yeah. just the apple or actually another armenian uh, um let me see what his name was he was the guy who developed the ios system huh. um tevanian avi tevanian yeah so uh, so it wasn't necessarily Jobs who was doing the thing single-handedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I'm sure that's the case with Musk. A lot of things. Uh, they're just they're just the captain. You exactly. All yeah. the men that's working for him are doing this. Yeah, yeah, and they're uh, and yeah. It's it's really it's really interesting to see what's gonna transpire here in the next few years uh, with Musk's position in Tesla because uh, if uh, and Tesla, by the way, we're talking about. There at first I hated it. I I drove it a, a couple of times and I was yeah. just, what is this? And then I I drove again and I was just, oh it's wow, genius. this is just yeah. what? <laughs> but it performs like just amazingly, man. It's fast. It's yeah. it's and it's safer. It is. It he, is. He made a car that could reach, of course, really high speeds. If you get the Model S, like the 
extra battery. No, the P100D. The, that's the that, one. That's... I think it's like 2.9 seconds for zero to six. I think it's gonna be the, the. He has a new sports car. They're gonna make like a limited amount. That one's like I think two seconds or uh, something like that. It's but yeah, very the, the Model D is 2.9 seconds. That those are supercar uh, time on a electric car. But yet it's the sa one of the safest cars on the road. So like. What he created is... Yeah, with the autopilot feature, I think, yeah, it is. It is. I think his biggest problem is going to be scaling. And that's like in any business where you don't have the maximal capacity of, of production. Yeah. Uh, and you're... And he... It's going to be very hard for him to meet a demand of... Um, Hundred thousand orders, for example, and you're which, right. which is which is exactly what happened the with, model with the, model the Model Three. three. Yeah. yeah, I was actually like, on a waiting he, list. He's a person where he could actually outsell the production amount. So you had a Model Three, people that registered for Model Three that were not getting their cars, and uh, I'm sure some people got their money back. Like like me, I did. I, I don't know. Did, they, did they? Was it? It was. They would take a deposit. Yeah. Right? So okay. So so what you have to do is when you go on their website, you pay a thousand dollar deposit, and then uh, when your time was supposed to come, you choose like the colors, the packages. packages but and here's the big but. I talked to a couple of people that got it. You can't choose the the battery right now, because it, it's so limited right now. So you don't know what you get. If you notice, you look on the back of all Model Threes. It doesn't have the battery size. Like, you know how the S's or the X's, it says 85 or 70 or the 100. 90 or 100. Yeah. Model 3 doesn't have it. It doesn't say anything like that. All it says is just Model 3. That's it. And it's not 35,000 like they initially. Well, he... if you got the base base, yeah, but it won't. Uh, no, by the time everything was all said and done, it's roughly going to cost you like 55, 60,000. Okay. I've heard a different variation of that. I've heard that by the time you put in. So, so you there's a potential for you to get the car for thirty five thousand. But especially if you live in California, with all yeah. the tax credits mm -hmm. that are applied, and all these other uh, the savings on gas and all the estimated costs that you're gonna save, they said that it's actually gonna cost the consumer twenty one thousand dollars, which was a very um, that's kind of yeah yeah, yeah it was hard to believe. But yeah. they had they had a good uh, you know they were trying to push that case forward yeah the strategy is very good i think their strategy was really good but but like getting back to so when you when you paid and you register for example uh the people that did it the first year when he was announced i think a lot of them started getting their cars but like mine i was the second year and i'm like you know what it's taking forever so i, I all you have to do is you uh you cancel it off when you it's like a login you log in after you register you cancel it, and then they'll. It takes roughly a couple of weeks. You get your money back. They send you a check. They don't keep thirty percent stock. Don't you hate when that happens, though? I had I had a very similar thing that happened to me just recently. I bought a ticket to uh, Ozzy Osbourne's concert. Nice. Oh. It was called No More Tours Two. Um, he had a song back in the day. It was called No More Tears, and uh, he did once. And and I I think this was going to be his last tour. Yeah. And I've always really enjoyed his music uh, yeah the sabbath days and uh there was actually a dvd that sabbath put together it was called the end of the end yeah and in that dvd you saw ozzy perform and ozzy was just so good even at this age just a couple of years ago this dvd yeah. came out so uh i really wanted to go to that concert and and so what happened was uh the thursday before so the concert was going to be on um, I want to say Saturday, the Thursday before they sent out an email, they said, 
Well, Ozzy, um, because of he was recommended by his doctors to postpone it to Monday. Yeah. Monday came along, or it was a Sunday or Monday, uh, and they said, oh, Ozzy's going to cancel the show. What? And he's going to postpone it to 20, July 2019. Oh, wow. They Granted that they added a, a New Year's show um, on um, it's the OzFest to 2018 uh, on December 31st, but it was such a it was such a you know becoming a hassle. disappointing thing yeah. that oh, and, yeah. and I said you know what I'm not gonna keep my ticket give me my money back yeah yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> you know wait until 2019 let's see no, for let's sure. see how he does what, if but, it's gonna happen and I'll but they refund you in full or yeah yeah they did but I saw his Instagram. Like I don't know what happened with his hand, but he had he had some like legit medical conditions. It was uh, something to do with his hand, and he was uh, what I don't I forgot what happened. But yeah, it was serious though. Yeah. It was in the hospital. Yeah. So usually they say that whenever they they don't really feel like doing it or something happens. But no, his was legit. Yeah. His well, I think he I, I would think he it would be legit because he doesn't come off as a guy who. You know he loves being on stage. Oh, when yeah. you see him on stage, it's he doesn't seem he's like that, he's a diva yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. You could tell that when he's when he's on there, he's not just there to just you know do uh, get do his it, money, and get his stand. money. Like I mean, he's really enjoying no, every second sure. of it, nice. and even more so now than back in the day. Back in the days, he was you know on drugs, and uh, it was a, it was a different animal. kind of yeah. it was a different kind of performance. Now you know he's he's just really living the moment because any moment could be his last, and. Um, you know, may he have a long, long life ahead of him. But uh, you know, it's a uh, it, it, he's just doing it for the music. You know, he's doing it because he enjoys the fans. I'm sure. It's passion. Like, it's not just like business. That's and I feel like that's important. Yeah, it's not a job. Yeah, it's something that he enjoys, and it's like it works both ways. The fans enjoy it. He enjoys it. So you know, just to get off, to- not off. You're a man of predictions, and uh, I always remembered at uh, like gathering or just in any gathering with friends, you always talked about politics and what was going on. So you kind of predicted that uh, Trump was going to be president. So what, I did. What I can did. you say about that? Um, so everybody was thought I was I was just crazy, crazy. for saying that, <laughs> and and the polls were showing that about ninety to ninety eight percent of the uh, of the um, ex of the pollsters, basically the results were everybody's saying Hillary's going to win. Yeah, there's no way in hell Trump is going to. Yeah, and and here's what I thought. That they were really missing a lot of the, the why, why they were so wrong on it, mm-hmm. and I was about the opposite. I was about ninety eight percent sure that Trump was going to win. I I I would I thought that if Hillary wins, it would just be incredibly shocking. Like it would be unbelievable. And here's why: I was following his campaign trail very closely, and I would say that there were about three major reasons why Trump won the presidency. One of them was his name. Mm-hmm. One of it was because of his hard work. Uh, and one of it was because of, uh, of a very a strategic move that got him about $2 billion worth of free advertisement. And now, let me unpack each one. And, yeah, please. Well, the name is obvious. You know, he, had, he had the name, and he was, uh, even though he was an outsider, he didn't really stand a chance with coming in and trying to beat the insiders. Without having some kind of a you know some kind of fame, and he was he was in the seventies and the eighties. They, I mean, he was very much loved by the media. The exact opposite of what you see today. He was yeah. the, he was the guy who everybody aspired oh, he was to a real be. TV what did, star. he had that show? Too. No, yeah. no, that's this is way before that. This is when he was first building the Trump Tower. This is late seventies, early eighties, when he married Ivana. Uh, 
and he was loved by the media. So he kind of understood the media really well. And this is going to bring to my third point. But the second reason was because he believed uh, there's no way that anybody could take away the amount of hard work that he put into the campaign. And I was an eyewitness to this because I was watching this firsthand. He would go uh, in the about two months that led up to the election. Every single day, he was doing about three, two to three rallies in different cities, different states. Each rally would take about an hour. So imagine you're traveling constantly, and he had very strategically pinpointed the areas he was going to. Yeah. So what happens is when he goes to these rallies, which brings me to the third reason of why he uh, uh, he won the presidency. He was getting not only local media co- coverage, so so all the local TV stations were covering him while he was doing the rallies. So he's getting free advertisement. On top of that, the CNNs and the MSNBCs, the Fox News, CB, all these channels are giving him free advertisement. So it's estimated that about he got about a two billion dollars worth of free advertisement. Wow, that's a big deal. In his lead up to the presidency, and what he did was he realized that. He understood how the media works. He understood how business works. He understood that by creating shock value, by you know doing these things that are going to generate buzz, advertisers are going to want to put money. So, so because advertisers are going to want to put money, they're going to cover him. So he had this planned out probably five, ten years prior to announcing his bid, uh, which was ev- which is why every single step he has taken prior to become a president while in his presidency, has been so carefully carved out where he doesn't do a single thing. Like Jeff Sessions uh, the other day uh, gave in his resignation. The only reason why Jeff Sessions gave his resignation a day after was because they already locked up so many seats in the Senate that if there's anybody he's going to nominate now to replace Sessions, they're going to you know, they're gonna be confirmed squeaky cleanly like the no tomorrow if there was a a, a narrower um uh, gap so it would have been probably more difficult for him to put you know ask sessions to to resign because who was it going to replace sessions with so it was you know everything he's done and this is why i think that you know the the democrats are at such a disadvantage and they're they have been underestimating him and they continue to underestimate him. And they they really paid a heavy price in the 2016 elections. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they they paid, I would say, a pretty heavy price this time around, too, when you look at the Senate. Because uh, last time you had this very uh, – in the 2016 and 2018 years, you had such a slim majority in the Republicans uh, in the Senate that if you convinced uh, – uh, um, Susan Collins, for example, or Flake, one or two senators to go your way, you could have basically, you know, really um, uh, stopped a major Trump policy going for moving to sure. move forward. Now you have in the Senate, you know, you have, we just had uh, Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg, bro- break her ribs just a few days ago. Chances are that we're going to have a, a nomination within these next two years, and and these this time around. You know they're gonna get anybody across they want. That's what I think, at least. I'm not, you know, uh, that's at least based on my observation. Sure. Now in the House, uh, on the House side, there were some. So, and and the Trump factor is is 
huge in these elections when you when you think about it because out of the 11 senators that he campaigned for nine of them won i mean that's a pretty good number yeah uh and out of all of the people out of all the all of the house of representatives members who were kind of the republicans but they were anti-trump because you know there's 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 people in the in the republican there's a very small wing of the party that doesn't like him that doesn't like what he stands for on the other hand he has he has more popularity with his party uh, than uh, any other president in modern history that we that that we've ever known, basically at least statistically based yeah. on poll numbers. I think it's well over eighty percent of Republicans support him. So these guys who come out and in this in this elections it was it was evident governors and representatives who came out and said we don't want you to come and campaign for us we don't like you this that well all of them lost so. So what that tells you is that the Republican Party is is as as of a Trumpian party as it could possibly be. This guy is basically running the show. Uh, you don't play ball with him, you're yeah. not gonna be playing the game anymore. Yeah, you're gonna strike. So him. so and it was very evident this time around. And I think what was gonna happen is if we're talking about predictions and what's gonna For unfold. The second term or... Yeah, he is he is very well positioned to win the. Uh, presidency again in 2020, and I think this time around, uh, what'll happen is that what what the strategy I think will be is that they're going to try to convince uh, the American population that the Democrats are going to stonewall everything that they try to do for the next two years. They're going to paint this picture, and um, and and they're going to be successful at it. I think because because the Democrats continue to underestimate him. The Democrats continue to, uh, you know, play to these notions that are not really good for the American people. They they try to play politics and they try to interfere with policies going forward. And we might see some policies move forward in the next two years. I I uh, imagine that the bill on the infrastructure, which is something that everybody wants to get across, I think will some some something will get done. A bipartisan bill uh, will get through. I think there's some uh, uh, with um, there may be something on healthcare that they might uh, they might actually try to move forward, but at the same time, I don't think the Republicans are going to let something like that pass through because yeah. if that happens, then all of these House seats that are up for re-election and one of the biggest reasons why the Democrats won the House was because of the healthcare issue. So what the what the Republicans are going to try to do, I think. Is that they're going to try to spin it and say that the healthcare issue didn't get resolved because of the Democrats? Yeah. And regardless of how much people try to convince them, they're going to fall back on, oh, look at the Trump economy, look at all the things he did for this, and he has done a lot. I mean, if you look at what he has done in the last two years, uh, he had, I think, during the rally, I think it was during the Republican convention, he came up with the contract with the American voter, and he had about twenty bullet points that he listed. That he was going to do, and the in the in the first two years he got a, a large majority of them either completed or he's on the way of completing them, which which tells the people and then all the red states, all the middle states, they're going to be like you know when it comes to 2020 and when you have the enthusiastic Republican voters out there re-electing Trump, they're going to throw all these House seats out and they're going to put the Republicans back in charge. Um, and the Senate, and I think the Senate is going to well stay in the Republicans' control at least for another maybe 
two election cycles. That's a legit prediction, though. Definitely, that's... Well, anything can change up to this. You know, I mean, we never know. There might be something with the investigation, like the Mueller investigation might come through, something in a subpoena, uh, something that anything could happen. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of policy-wise, where it's going, if you take all of these other uh, external factors out, if you look at how, how they have been, pos- they've been positioning themselves, I see that they're going to hit it out of the park in the next couple of years. So uh, how do you feel, uh, uh, of, of course, you predict that Trump will get uh, po- the, possibly the second term. How is that going to impact the people? Like, what changes do you think are going to happen uh, for the people? I know, uh, looking at the pol- polls for, like, there was that whole thing about Proposition 10 and for California. And then I read something about Proposition uh, W, which was whole the whole thing of water crisis. They're cleaning it up. It was a tax bill where they wanted to pass. But one thing I don't get on that is, like, why do you want to tax the people? Uh, why not penalize the people that are dumping the oils and stuff in the water? Why not put a fine on them and oh, get like the, the bigger the, corporations or companies? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it's one quarrel that I have with the California policies in general, L.A. policies, which is absolutely – you're right on the money on this. What they do is in every single election cycle, they come up with a new – proposal which is okay we're going to raise your taxes f- to make our schools better we're going to yeah. raise your taxes to make our hospitals better build the roads and this and that right you're talking about one of the greatest economies in the world the state of california we have silicon valley we have a huge farming um uh, you yeah. know machine here set 100%. up right yet every time they need more money to me that that tells you that there's either some kind of a mismanagement going on there's something else going on that's maybe beyond just pure mismanagement, or yeah. maybe there's a, some kind of a combination. Because why is it that you know the uh, the state that's you know th- that's all about regulation, the state that's about raising taxes, they're always regulating the middle people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. the people, the, the guy who's just trying to come up and do Build some, some kind of a <laughs> some kind of a small business. Yeah, somebody like that is gonna get t- is gonna have to pass through tons of uh, hurdles have to uh, get verified for a bunch of licenses and permits and, and have to pay impossible. a bunch of taxes. Oh, yeah. And, and then you don't even impossible. know if you're going to get that money back, man. That's the crazy part. Like, you, we invest all that time, but yet you're barely making money even, like, to begin with. That, well, that's the crazy part. There is opportunity, but, like, it's so, so, depending on what you do is just so hard, sale. man. It's almost... Which, which I think the people who are really behind running the Democratic Party, especially in California... They're the liberal elites. So you have the Hollywood people and you have the big companies, right? Like, let's say Tim Cook, I think, is a big time supporter of the Democratic Party. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are basically running the Silicon Valley companies, they support. And there's a good chance that you have these major corporations who are claiming that they are, you know, for liberal policies, but they put in, they tried to advocate for candidates who are going to pass policies in their favor yeah in the meantime take it away from the guys who are in the middle or lower the middle so you know maybe this is a theory but but there's certainly a lot of evidence to point to that that you know you have you have these big companies they're always leaning left they're always pushing and, and i can see one of the reasons why they do lean left to be fair because i do like to be as fair as possible uh 
they have a lot of people who are who are uh, immigrants who are basically who are, who are working for them who are out of outside the let's say they have, they got work permits yeah. or they they're here for uh, but they're not permanent citizens they have some kind of a residency status that's still in question so you know part of the reason why they would support these programs I'm, I don't doubt is because or the the Democrats and the Democratic donors and so on I don't doubt that a part of it is because they want to protect their employees. But I wouldn't rule out the fact that the bigger reason is because of the fact that you have, you know, th these policies that they try to skew it in, in as much as in their favor as possible, mm -hmm. as opposed to, uh, you know, doing something where, you know, they're the ones who talk about fair share. Yeah. I want to pay a fair share. Uh, and Warren Buffett actually says this all the time. I wouldn't mind paying more taxes, but when it comes down to it, uh, you know, uh, they still pay a lot of taxes. Don't get me wrong, but but it's always the middle income people who who they usually get yeah hit the hardest. And these tax the new tax laws, I've studied them really well. And for California residents who are middle income families, yeah, th this really is really um, hurtful to them in many ways because they had all these deductions that previously you could have had the state and local deductions, property deductions. You could have unlimitedly deducted them from the federal taxes. Now you're capped at ten thousand dollars. Your, despite the fact that some of the rates are lowered, these rates have a sunset provision, which means on in December 2025 they're going to expire. So, so all these changes that happened, lowering of individual rates, you know, these these new deductions they have for corporate, uh, for pa pass through businesses, small businesses. Yeah. All of this is going to expire at the end of uh, 2025. And any benefit that the new tax code could have given to this middle income people, yeah, it's gonna put them in a far worse position, I think, because now you have to deal with higher rates, now you have to deal with less deductions, and uh, no exemptions, which you used to have under the old system. So, you know, it's it really it really puts everybody in a in a very nervous position. How. Yeah. You know, in this how it's gonna play out? Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's a, that, that's the, I think the scary part of of California or like a bigger place like New York, like there is just a lot of crazy just well, taxes, New laws. Yeah, you know, it's, it's New York and California, and I'll say this in an automotive uh, standpoint: New York and California have the weirdest laws as far as smoke check and other things like requirements compared to any other state in the United States. Yeah, and uh, same thing with business. If you if you're a person from the middle class trying to start to do something, it's every awesome. little thing you gotta do, there's a you need a permit for. You gotta pay and this, this fee, and like Jesus, to, like how do you like start, start off? You know, I I actually we're yeah. on that boat. Like I'm literally struggling right now because you get this license or get that license. Like, and they keep they have a new law which you have to get something else. I'm like Jesus, and like I'm not even I'm I don't have income coming in, but I need all this to run as a company to even to get established. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, bro. You fail before you even get established. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, which is why, see, California is a very unfriendly business state. Uh, you go to somewhere like Texas, Florida. Texas and Florida, for example, they don't have income tax. Wow. So state income tax, none. Uh, you look at Nevada. Nevada is a very business-friendly state. And, and you'll, you're going to see that the trend is going to be that a lot of people are going to start incorporating in Nevada, are going to start their businesses in Nevada. And if they do some dealings with California, yeah, they'll pay some taxes in California. But I think that's good. 
uh, in the movie industry, and I know you guys are very familiar with the movie industry. Yeah. So a lot of these companies are actually setting up shop in Texas now and other states. Uh, so you have these production studios where yeah. traditionally Hollywood was at the epicenter of you know, yeah. now, movie now making. Now they're spread out like now Georgia, yeah, and, Canada. And it's not just because of the taxes for that they uh, – but but it's you know when they're paying the 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 actors and so forth yeah. they have to pay all these extra money and oh, for yeah. regulations it's a movie like Deadpool for example when I know there was a time where Canada would uh, offer over forty percent of tax break that's a big deal when you're filming Deadpool and the movie you just spent hundred million dollars to make for example and you get a forty percent tax break that is a huge difference and that's the reason why a lot of uh, this the industry is moving. Out, they're uh, filming of course, out elsewhere. Elsewhere, like other states, other countries, because they get a tax break. Not to go, it's not to go deal. far. We we stayed in Cincinnati, Ohio, for a while. Majority of those big corporations, like Procter and Gamble, uh, Johnson and Johnson, Macy's they have Macy's headquarters. They all they have, and not one major location. I'm talking about they have multiple locations over there. Property was cheap, and they didn't have multiple. to technically do business in that state. They're international Everywhere. companies. Like, like no, Procter and Gamble, PNG, they make like you anything you can think of. Gillette. Uh, oh, they're in every kind. They're, they they they're do everything. Like, but and I know this for a fact because we dropped them off. I used to drive shuttle over there, so I would take their employees and drop them off like from d- different locations. I'm like, wow, they have so many locations. But it makes sense because it's I'm guaranteed it's cheaper for them to just be there compared to like being in California or New York or something like it's that. It's a sunshine tax. <laughs> the yeah, sunshine and the weather tax. Seriously, it is. And they should just call it that. It's it's not just that. So we talk about tax and regulation is one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is, you know, you have uh, states like Delaware and Nevada. Delaware is is the is the state of where the big corporations are yeah. pretty much located. Because what happens is, is that when you sue these companies, a state like California is very pro-consumer and anti-business so it might be that there you know there's really not a lot of merit in the case or the case shouldn't go forward or uh, there's something called i alluded to this earlier about how we look at the business structure of uh, of our clients and we see what's missing one of the things that uh, it's a major problem among business owners is that they don't have the right formalities in place to get protection from lawsuits so what happens is when their business operations does, they do something wrong. Yeah, their their personal assets get attached uh, in the process as well. So lately, there was a uh, California Supreme Court case. I think it came out. Um, the ruling was just uh, less than a few months ago, and there was a there was a guy who I don't remember the exact facts of the case, but uh, what it what it boiled down to was he had an LLC. He was I think he was ninety nine percent owner. Wife was one percent owner. Everything was legit. All of the documents were legit. He had a he had an apartment building, or he had some kind of a, a residence, some kind of real estate on it. Okay. Yeah. So somebody got uh, injured while on the property. As far as I don't remember the facts too vividly, but um, the uh, what what it boiled down to was the LLC was sued. Now, generally, in any other state, um, given that all of the formalities were in place and uh, and you know everything was run properly. He he shouldn't have had any personal liability from from that, you know, because um, any other state would have said, well, you have all the right documentation in place, you you're followed all here. the procedures, you're a legitimate company, you're not, you're very independent from the owner. But it ended up, what ended up happening was they ruled that it was actually 
what's called piercing the veil, which means that we don't consider your company any different from you. So any personal assets that you might have in this situation are exposed. So you look at something like that and and a ruling like that is not going to attract a big company to come here. And, 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 you know, you look at Amazon, I think it's Amazon, correct me if I'm wrong. Amazon is, uh, headquartered, well, well, they're headquartered in, uh, Seattle, I believe. And, um, and now they're trying to move to different States. And, and I think what will happen is what you're going to see in this Silicon Valley companies, little by little, they're going to start moving out because, uh, it's just not beneficial anymore to stay in California. No, of course. Even Seattle, because after they all those companies set up shop over there, I heard they were proposing a new tax. And mm-hmm. uh, for a company like Amazon, Jeff Bezos is like, what the hell? Yeah, all he has to do is pack up and go to another state where he's not taxed or he's, they don't put pressure on him, which well, they, they, they own be, everything now. It should though, be regulated because like, if you're a company in that statute, you, you should be paying taxes and doing all this stuff. You shouldn't have to get a break on every little aspect. But uh, they are adding jobs to say Seattle blew up. Like Hasfeld. I get customers that come from there and like uh, the house, the real estate is so expensive now. And like all those companies set up shop and everything just the prices went up. Until so, they, they go somewhere else and help uh, that other place. But California has been like that for, what, so many years? Yeah. Like, we're at the peak, or where, where's the peak, actually? Because it keeps on going up. Yeah, yeah, it keeps going up. <clears throat> Income taxes, I think, is 13.3%, uh, which is the highest in the nation. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, you, you talk about the federal taxes you pay. On top of that, you're paying to the state. On top of that, in many instances, you're paying to your local government. On top of that, you're paying taxes when you go, you know, all these measures that are passing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, let's say if you're buying a bottle of wine or you're at a restaurant or you're at this, all this, all these, all these taxes are built into your final bill. So, uh, so, I mean, on the one end, it's great that, you know, we, we have systems that we're, we're taking care of people who are impoverished or they're needy and so forth. But at the same time, you know, you're talking about such a huge economy why couldn't there be other means for oh, you yeah. to be able to balance a budget 100%. to have put proper appropriation in place so you could actually be able to take care of those in needy, but also oh, yeah. not take away from those who need it as well. That's all we no, need. We need, exactly. we need a fair system where, yeah, if you're making this much money, you could afford to pay this. But if you're trying to start up a company, there's no way you're going to be able to pay all these fees and do all this stuff. So we just need a more uh, fair system. and We got to start doing something. People are starting to move out. <laughs> so, yeah. Hike, you, you, you do your blogs. So do, do you talk about the similar things in your blogs and your writing? No. <clears throat> what I talk about, so I, I generally, for this year, I've been writing articles. Okay. Not, so blogs, my, my interpretation of it is something that's relatively short. Yeah. Uh, my, what I write is, is, uh, has a lot of content, uh, a lot of information on there. And I would urge our uh, listeners to visit the Chilingarian Law dot com and they'll they'll have a better idea we'll post that up yeah, also we'll put it yes. on but all sure. everything that you've done like show wise and everything it is on your website yeah well the shows they were broadcasted on a armenian network artn mm-hmm. so i was uh, i had some youtube videos where i explained some of the new tax laws especially yeah uh and at the end of the day the article itself, sorry, this thing keeps... No, it, uh, it, it slips out. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're comfortable, sometimes they're sometimes not. They're, yeah. yeah. The What I try to do is, I don't try to get political on my blogs or nice. uh, 
Um, and uh, I do <clears throat> see when I took an oath to become an attorney, one of the things that was part of that oath was, you know, you're there to basically protect the public. And I feel like as my duty as an attorney, one of the duties is not just to represent my clients and advocate for them and, and um, do what I can to represent their interests, but it's also to represent the interests of the public and do what I can to protect the public from uh, from things that I believe are are harmful to the public. Sure. So when I'm out there on my website, it's 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 putting uh, it's putting a lot of educational content uh, and and to really try to illuminate or shine light on people to, for them to have a better idea about well what type of um, what can what is out there that can potentially harm you. Yeah. What can you do to potentially, you know, reduce or eliminate that harm? And for this year, I've been uh, methodically every month. I've been picking new topics. Some of these topics were interconnected. I had uh, about three or four months in a row. I was just focused on business entities. Yeah. yeah. So I was writing about my first article was uh, five fundamentals of LLCs, and that was that article actually got picked up a huge steam on all over the internet. I had. Uh, one person who posted on their blog, it had 15,000 followers. Nice. I had uh, another person on taxconnections.com. It was the number one article. I had about four or five articles that were the number one article on tax connections. Uh, so, so, and then I had something about corporations. So the article that followed that was really in uh, uh, di analyzing the taxation of corporations. And that's what the title was, taxation of corporations. And first I looked at what the C-Corps were and how they're structured, yeah. the different, the important tax uh, aspects that apply for C-Corps. And then I went into talk about S-Corps uh, and why, you know, what you have to do to qualify and then what it actually gives you. Uh, the one after that was um, about pass-through entities, which by the way, S-Corp is a pass-through entity, yeah. which means that basically uh, you don't get taxed on the entity level. So in the C corporation, you know how they say the corporate taxes are lower to 21%? Yeah. Well, that's <clears throat> because the corporate profits, it used to be 35. You have to pay on the entity level if you're a C corp. And then when you make distributions to the shareholders, the shareholders then pay tax on their income. The pass-throughs like S corp, LLC, all these other entities yeah. other than C corps, they are everything, the incomes and the losses, they pass, they come to the taxpayer's individual returns. So it's almost like their own business. Oh, They're yeah. paying taxes on their own part. So I talked about what those pass-through entities are, what each one is, what distinguishes them, what what's common about them. And then I went into analyzing the um, the new tax laws. There's a new deduction for business owners. And I went in and I explained how these uh, this new deduction could be uh, has a potential for bringing huge ta tax benefits to uh to business owners and i i laid out what you have to do to qualify i have some really good examples i put in there as well uh and then based on that we did the webinar just a couple of weeks ago yeah. so now i'm doing the estate planning series so the first nice. article i had was is estate planning only for the rich people and there <clears throat> i did something on this article that was very different from the other ones all the other ones had this um you know they were See, I had a. Uh, this is not something we talked about, but when I, when I was in law school, I published an article in um, one of the most prestigious tax treatises mm -hmm. out there. It was called Merton's Law of Federal Income Taxation, and I was kind of taught to, as I'm, I was writing the articles, I, I was kind of in this 
mode where I'm kind of very law oriented, very just onto the point. This is what a partnership is. This is what a sole proprietorship is. This. Yeah. And then just going into top, 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 like a methodical step by step thing. And I felt like this time around, I wanted to do something different for this uh, for this last article I wrote. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to mention anything, any legal jargon, nothing like that. I'm just going to write a story. So I came up with a story. And the story was basically some guy who <clears throat> who was about um, uh, an elderly gentleman who's been married for several decades. Suddenly, he has this, he's diagnosed with a terminal illness. And... Um, and, uh, you know, he, and then his, his niece is convincing him to go and put all these documents in place. So in case, you know, he's incapacitated and he can't make the decisions anymore, uh, he has somebody who will make those decisions for him. Sure. So, uh, so then he says, no, forget it. I'm in my deathbed. I'm not going to do it. Besides, I, I know I'm a man of faith. I'm not going to go through with this. So, and then. Uh, he suddenly uh, um, has like a has a has chest pains. I think it was like a heart attack or a stroke. And then the ambulance comes. As the ambulance are taking him to the hospital, there's a young woman. Uh, there's a young woman and just you know going her own way. Nothing. Uh, and and as the lights are they're yeah, rushing, are they're going, rushing yeah, into yeah, the yeah. hospital. They run into this girl, and this girl is has two kids. Hasn't been married before, and. Uh, and now she's in in a coma. Now they have to find who her relative is. So is this is this story that I kind of thought, you know, what instead of doing and kind of talking about, okay, what's a power of attorney? What's yeah. a trust? Uh, I said, you know, maybe I'll talk about that in the something later or articles. Relate yeah, but something just sure. a storyline, and and it turned out, uh, you know, as I finished it up, uh, you know, it was just it was kind of. A very. Uh, I looked back at it and I said, you know what? For a second, I had thought I lost my creative touch over the years because yeah. I've been so focused on, you know, just the law yeah. example, you know, <laughs> just the methodical way. Uh, but it was nice to see that that creative aspect was still there, and uh, and I was able to put the story together in a very short time too. Because I get all this work, always. There's always something going on. Uh, marketing um, events, you know, like sure. this one, or yeah. this is a marketing slash educational, but but not just that, but uh, you know, there's a lot of work, a lot of client matters, and you know, when it comes to writing these articles, sometimes it gets this very close to the end of the month. No, because where... I feel like it'll reach a more broader audience because number one, it's like it's like a form of a little story, or like uh, it's it's interesting enough where it's not just it's a... factual, you know, it's just it's like in a story format where. You're interested in in what's really happening in the story, but yet you're educating him on how to actually pre prevent yourself to be in a position it's a where very you're, interesting story. you or your loved ones is hurt. Besides the, the losing somebody, but financially or whatever it may be. Yeah, I feel like it gets the message across better. Just storytelling is is another level, and you could grab a, a way more bigger audience in that Definitely. format. And by the way, so uh, Hike is a, a lawyer, so don't try to steal his movie idea and uh, make <laughs> yeah. your movie because he we'll is come a lawyer. After <laughs> yes, there are. It is subject to copyright laws and nice. intellectual property. But so. I was gonna say your, your creative <laughs> side like, is very. I'm thinking. I'm imagining. I'm like that sounds like an interesting and educational movie. I'm like, yeah, wow, like, this is good job. Good. You should stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. <laughs> we'll work on that. <laughs> so, but. So well, besides all this, and you sound like a you you have so much information, and you're a very busy guy. What does Hike do? Like to just for get fun, away, like for just fun. to take a do break. You watch movies. What do you do for a hobby? Like oh, I have a lot of fun in my life. I, I have to tell you, I'm 
uh, I feel very blessed that um, part of the fun that I have is, you know, doing what I love. And I think that's sure. really awesome. Uh, of all the projects that I'm working on, even the marketing, absolutely. It's, knowledge is power. So Exactly. It uh, is. And, you know, sometimes you can't, it's, when you have a certain level of knowledge, you can't even quantify it. Any, exactly. How much that's worth at one point. I kind yeah. of think, say, okay, if I'm building my workout into my work schedule, I have to work. So like let's routine. say one week I take a vacation, I don't work. Fine, I don't work out in that week as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but as I'm coming back in, keep the routine in place. No, so 100%. You, 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 it makes you want to take more vacations. <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah, but it's good. Like it, Number one, it keeps you steady, healthy. Uh, you're not, it takes a lot of your stress out. Like you, your mind's more at ease. I feel like when you work out, uh, I think it was about three weeks uh, later, and uh, it took me about probably another two to three weeks to get to back get into it, right? you know to get <laughs> all the soreness go away. Yeah, uh, it's just terrible. But that's why it's always important to keep doing it. Yeah, it's, keep it's, back uh, whatever you do. Just find in between to do something. Like oh, you yeah. don't even. Like not even weights wise, but like let's say walking, walking or, yeah. walking. or yeah, some running or yeah, you 100%. have to be physically active and do do some. There's there are three things that I look at when I look at physical activity. One of it is your uh, your bones. You know, the, your bones deteriorate over time, and if you don't keep it, if you don't keep it constantly in check, um, you know, there might come a time where God knows what could happen. Yeah. That that'd be one. Two, we talked about thinking and walking and yeah. thinking and how your mind gets cleared up. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, all of us uh, feel tension and uh, sometimes anger, frustration. Yeah, sure. And working out is a great way to release all of that. Hundred uh, percent. And especially when you do it regularly. Overall, you're a happy person. Right now, if I look back at myself before I started working out and now, I am much happier. Overall, my attitude is better. Yeah. I I, I um. I, I feel better, you know, I look better, you know, I think. Um, no, so. for sure. It, it, you have a level of confidence. Like, I feel like even for me, like, I'm in traffic on a constant basis. Like, I'm in traffic for probably like three hours out of the day, no joke. Uh, and the working out, just, I forget about that. I was just in like an hour and a half coming one way hmm. of traffic, you know? Like, that's why, like, it does. It really does, like, just cleanse your mind a little bit. And then the workout. rest of the time you're screaming, then. <laughs> <laughs> screaming, honking, on? yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but besides that, I would say, uh, you know, I I love ha you know spending time with my family, spending nice. time with my friends. I think at the end of the day, I feel I've always felt very blessed in that regard, and uh, um, because I felt that I always had, uh, I was had a very good family. I've always had really good and loyal friends. And I think I think what happened was with family it wasn't it was just purely luck for me, you know, that I was uh fortunate enough. But with friends I feel that I'm also I'm so thankful that a part of it was also my own doing that I was able to hold sure. on to the same group of friends uh for the most part for at least I've known you guys for over for a, a decade. Long probably, time, yeah, yeah, right? For a long time. I I mean we're a lot of the a lot of the people that I'm that I've been close with uh, and who I consider in my circle of friends go back at least five to ten years, yeah. and as much as twenty years. Yeah. So when you're talking about a relatively young guy uh, who's been in politics for over twenty-five years, and I feel I feel that's good. You know, I feel happy about that. And um, and, and just having that opportunity. Um, there's this all obviously was tough. When I lost one of my uh, dear family members. It had a huge impact on me. And and as I was transitioning into estate planning. 
um, I realized how valuable it was because I personally felt what it was to see somebody, you know, in one day. I mean, I was in San Diego uh, uh, going to law school and I came back and then suddenly I find out that my grandpa is in the hospital. And it was it was just like a blink of an eye. He went from being completely fine just about two, a week or two weeks before I saw him to going into his um, uh, uh, this uh, this. Uh, the nightmare set of procedures that that happened, including him being hooked up to life support, wow. um, and um, and you know, and then eventually passing away, and it's so it was so heartbreaking for me as a family, you know, as somebody who lost somebody who whom I loved so much, yeah, and 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 almost the exact identical ways my other grandpa a year after that passed away, exact wow. same identical wow. ways, less than a year, so. Uh, you know, it just it just to- told me how how important it is to appreciate life, to have, to really be thankful for what you have at this very moment, because we don't know what what's gonna happen tomorrow, and because we're all of us have things that we have to be thankful for. You know, some more than not, uh, others, and for some, maybe one small thing or a set, uh, five big things could be could could be as as uh, valuable or weigh sure. as much as one small thing for another person. Yeah, 100%. So, so it's really, it's all a relative, but I think if we look at life as a, in a way of, you know, having positive attitude, being thankful for, you know, where we are and where we're going, have a plan. You know, I talk about planning, planning, but a lot of it has to do with planning. You have to have a plan in terms of That's the only way where you're, you're going. You're, you and your loved ones will be better protected, I feel like. If you do really look into all your avenues, it, it is a good thing. I mean, it, it, you shouldn't even, I feel like, it would like be you said, lighter. your It'll financial be... the st- status doesn't matter. Your age doesn't matter. It's always good to be just informed and protected. Like whatever steps you need to do to just make sure you're good. Because you, you're thinking, oh, I'm young. I don't need this now. But you don't know what's happening down the line, you know. So it's better to be always ready and prepared than just be like, oh, Play it by ear, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, reactive versus proactive. Well, mm-hmm. I want to say thank you so much for being on our show today. It was very uh, informative, and it was. I feel good. I, I feel like I really took something. It, it was a lesson. No, 100%, man. And then uh, for everybody listening, we will uh, put a link to Hikes, uh, the website. And uh, what's the best way? Is it is it the website to reach you? Yeah, or? I, all of the contact information is on there, so all they have to do is there's a tab um t- towards the right they click on contact they'll have uh the address they'll have the email they'll have a, a nice. phone they'll have everything they need to reach out to me and uh please feel free to do so and i think uh you know there's uh go through the articles because there's a lot of really really uh informative stuff on there if you have any questions which i'm sure there will be many because that's a uh, uh, those articles a lot of them were purposefully written for uh, specialists and um, tax specialists and you know other people sure, who are in the yeah. field. So if you have questions about what you want to do with your planning, uh, let me know uh, and uh, we'll we'll do whatever we can to help you. Thank, Thank you very you so much, Hike. We wish you the best, man. Yeah, Thank you. Definitely. Good night. Thank you, guys.